I'm going to speak in just a moment on the subject, the value of self-examination and treatment. Examine yourselves, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own self, that Jesus, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. Pretty clear. First choice there is examine yourself. Don't let somebody else examine you. Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Are you not? If you're not, then we're going to have a little uh, discussion on treatment, how to treat that problem that you have in your life of having rejected the Son of God as your Lord and as your Savior. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, we read these words. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested, that's Jesus, to take away our sins. And in him, that's Jesus, there is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him, listen, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, Jesus, is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he, Jesus, might destroy the, work, the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Sometimes, not always, self-examination is a good thing. When it comes to I'm sick and I'm going to examine myself, sometimes that's good. And sometimes it means leave off this, cut out that, don't eat as much of whatever. Other times it wasn't such a great idea. But self-examination is something spiritually that every person ought to do. You shouldn't have to wait till somebody else tells you that you're a sinner. All you need to know is the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you were to go into God as a great physician and he would say to you, let me tell you what's wrong with you. You're a sinner. You have fallen from grace. You are an heir of Satan. Do you ever remember a guy named Adam and Eve? Well, look on your family tree. If you had a family Bible, so you could have that all the way back. And you are the kids, and I'm the kids of Adam and Eve. We inherited sin. Nobody taught us to be bad. There's no schools to teach people how to be bad. There's no jails where you put people in there to make them bad. 
They end up there because they were bad. That's what got them there in the first place. Now, when we look at the Bible and we begin to see these passages, first of all, I want you to remember a couple of words that I read to you a while ago. You remember Peter over in the, in the 21st chapter of John. Peter was dealing with some, some situations of, uh, of another person. And uh, the Lord is talking to Peter about his sin. And Peter did what most of us do at some point in time and sometimes often in our life. What he did was he wanted to talk about the other guy. You ever see anybody do that? Anybody ever tell you you were a sinner as if they weren't? Well, listen, Peter saith unto Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And the Lord had made it pretty strong as to what Peter was to do. And here's what Jesus said in verse 22. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You see, we're living in a world that finds out what everybody else is doing, and they do it. And they say, well, if I'm going to hell, so is everybody else. Well, I hope that comforts you, but it doesn't comfort me at all. I need to be bought by the blood of Jesus. I've got sin in my life that needs to be dealt with. There's no doctors in the medical center of Houston that can deal with my sin. And they can't deal with yours either. But there is one. His name is Jesus. And Jesus paid for it. He doesn't take Medicare or Medicaid. He cares nothing about Blue Cross. He cares about the old rugged cross. And it's at the old rugged cross that all sin is forgiven. And on Friday morning, the crucified Savior rose from the grave. If you're a guest today at Sagemont, we try to tell you about the resurrection other than on Easter when most everybody comes. Jesus is alive. He's open 24-7. He sits by the right hand of the Father, and he makes intercession to the Father for us that the Father, through the Son, might deal with our illness called sin and cleanse us from all sin. So I want you to look with me back over in 1 John chapter 3. And I want you to think about these simple yet profound truths. Let me go back to verse 10 in the third chapter of 1 John. It says, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Now here's the key part of the verse. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Two things. Number one, people that are born again should reflect the righteousness of God. Number two, listen, number two, if you're born again, you are concerned about others. When you're not born again, you're concerned about yourself. You must get the best parking place. You must get the best deal. You must be there and get in the fight before Christmas to make sure you get one 
of those other special bargains and dare not that somebody that needs it gets it. You just want to get it because it's a good deal. And you're always looking for a good deal because people that are selfish always look for good deals. They don't look for good deals for you. They look for good deals for themselves. And God says, that is a telltale sign that you better examine yourself and see whether you're in the faith or not. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus died for us. Jesus went to the cross for us. Salvation is a gift from God to sinners. And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so as we look at the Scripture, we have to understand sin, a Savior, and salvation. Several years ago, I was at the Houston Rodeo. I remember meeting a couple at random, and uh, we'd never met before. And some way or another, they knew I was a preacher, and, uh, or somebody probably told on me that I was. And they looked like the ones that uh, like to get in arguments. Uh, but here's what he said. He said, and his wife standing there, said, my wife was a Catholic, and I was a Baptist. And he said, we decided that we'd leave the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church because they talked about sin. So we could find a church that didn't. Now, I don't know where they found, but they found one. Can you imagine such a thing? But you see, that's the way most people are. Excuse me. Most people don't like to hear about sin. You don't like to hear the doctor tell you you've got a bad disease, do you? Doesn't make him your favorite doctor. But by the same token, if the doctor could tell you you've got a fatal disease, but I can cure it just like that in one second, maybe you'd come back for a second visit. Maybe you'd listen a little bit longer. Because you see, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. You see, you must understand that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has messed all of us up, but Jesus, through his blood, can wash it white as snow. But you have to agree with the decision that the doctor has made. Here is what the test has proven. The test has proven that we have a disease called sin. And that sin must be dealt with because sin kills us here in this life and in the life to come. Listen to that fourth verse again of 1 John 3. Whosoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You see, the laws of God, you remember the first ten. Those laws were put out there for us to understand, thou shalt nots. All through the Bible, there's thou shalt nots. Now, the reason they're there is because sin is what causes us to become sinners. And sinners that have not had their sin forgiven will die without God and without hope. But when we understand that there is a miracle cure the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that can wipe us, wash us, 
as white as snow and lead us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Lawlessness is breaking the law. Sin is rebelling against the laws or the morals of God. What a sin is, a sin is any time we go against what God has said that we're not to do. Now keep this in mind. Everything God tells us not to do is something that can destroy us if we continue to do it. It's just that simple. Maybe you've been to a doctor one time and said, if you don't quit doing this or quit doing that, you're going to die. You say, say that one more time, doctor. If you don't quit doing what you're doing, eating what you're eating, drinking what you're drinking, smoking what you're smoking, you're going to die. Amen. You understand? I do. So what do you do? You start going on a diet. You start flushing stuff down the toilet or whatever, pouring it out. Why? Because the doctor said I was going to die if I didn't quit. You know what Jesus said? He says if you don't come to the blood, you're going to die in your sin. But you don't have any excuse because it's free. I am going to provide the cure. I am going to come in the form of Jesus Christ. God became flesh, died on a cross, in order that we could be healed and set free. What could he have done any better than that? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, And you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sins. When we stand before the Lord, God the Father says, why should I let you into my heaven? Are you going to compare yourself to your neighbors and your friends? And you're going to kind of convince God you're better than them? Don't try that trick. That won't get you anywhere. But let me tell you something. If you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, when it comes time before you to stand before a holy God, and God says, why should I let you into my heaven? Jesus is going to step right up in your place and say, Father, he's mine. He's mine. And the Father will say, come on in forever and forever and forever and forever. First John 3, 6 says, Whoever abides in him, Jesus, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Let me tell you something. If you would say, I'm going to diagnose myself, Pastor. I'm a sinner. And Pastor, just to be frank with you, I enjoy my sin. And Pastor, I want you to know I probably have more fun than you do. And Pastor, I really don't care because I'm not scared of anything. I go to church. How many times have I heard that? I read my Bible. Now, most of this is a bunch of lies, but they good ammunition. At least you shoot the preacher off. But you see, God knows better. Either you have been washed in the blood, and I've been washed in the blood, or we're still sinners. And when we stand before God, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, the Scripture says, but by his what? Stripes we've been healed. 
What are we talking about? The red, white, and blue? The stars and stripes? No. The stripes on the back of the Son of God. A partial punishment that he went through. The nails in his hand. The stripes on his back. The sword in his side. All of that was paying for my sin. And it was paying for yours. The intellectuals, they were called Gnostics, had two false teachings. They were very, very obvious. Number one, they felt they were sinless by nature. They just thought they were born that way. They were unable to sin because they were born of God. They were a special group. They had some identity that they thought that when God put them here, they were his chosen ones and everything was going to be fine. That was one of their errors. The second error was they also felt that since they thought right, and knew the law, it wasn't necessary for them to live righteously. They didn't have to keep the law. As long as you know what it is, then you're okay. In other words, you study, you learn it, you learn the Ten Commandments. I know all the Ten Commandments. That's good. Do you keep them? Oh, you're supposed to keep them? Yeah, you're supposed to keep them. Well, I'm pretty good on seven. I'm working on three. But I got... 40 more years to live, and I've got it in my plan. I'm going to knock out one about every 12 years. So when I die, I can say, Lord, I covered them all. I mean, we think that's silly sometimes. But it goes back to the fact that the blood of Jesus is what makes us whole. You know, people that do not live righteously, don't even attempt to, don't want to, those people are not the righteous. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I tell you to do. Very simple. And when you look around and you see people, well, they've they've gone to church more than me. They know more of the Bible than I do. They give more to the Lord than I give. They give more of their time than I give. Uh Uh-uh. No, no, friend. That's not on the chart of the Father. He wants to know, what have you done with my son, Jesus? What have you done with the blood that was shed for you? When young man, young lady, old man, old lady, I could have sent 10,000 angels. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, he could say to us. But he died alone because there was no other name given among men whereby we could be saved. And we make a mockery out of it. We make an absolute mockery out of it. We go around in this life And I mean, we have nervous breakdowns and get stressed out on the freeways. And so we pull in the parking lot after 30 minutes of chaos on the freeway. And just as we're pulling into the parking space, somebody from the other direction comes in. And then we go to the grocery store. And we get our seven items that go into the 15-item line. And right there in front, Halfway through checking out, there's some dear person that's been shopping for three hours. <laughs> and we didn't notice that until we got up there. And we have a holy fit. That's just more than I can came. And then the children cry. And they just run me up the wall. Did you not know when you had children they were going to cry? Nobody told you that in preparation time? 
But that's just us. Unless we're like those two that stood up here a while ago, the adults, that have given their life to make others happy. That's a Christian. Christians don't mind letting people get in front of them. They don't mind other people being happy when they're not Christians. Christian people are always following Jesus, never following the trends of the, of the culture. They're always focused on him and him alone. And Lord, you gave everything you had in order that I could become your child. And I want to give everything I have so that I can bring others with me. That's what we're talking about this morning. John was very blunt many times. And he would say, if the righteous one does not live in your life, you do not know God and you do not love God. And you don't love God because you don't know God. Real quickly, there's three things I hope you'll remember as long as you live about sin. Number one, sin is real. Sin is real. And sin is brief. You can enjoy sin for a little while. You can enjoy sin for a few affairs, a few drinks, a few disobedience. But it's brief. I challenge you to find somebody that's lived 40 years to come and tell me that I just want to thank the devil. He's been so sweet to me. I just want to tell you about the girl that the devil brought into my life. I want to tell you about the guy. I just want to tell you what the sweet old devil, you won't find one. Now, there was a time you'd have thought, I'm, I'm rocking and rolling. I'm moving down the road. When I talk to young people, I've lived long enough that I've seen the heroes of yesterday die. I've seen the rock and rollers die. I watch them on the weekday at ages now. They're dropping like flies. All of them were the big shots. Everybody followed. Ooh, I want to be just like them. And they're dying the most horrible deaths you can imagine. I've lived that long. But I didn't know that when I was 15. But I thank God that I had parents that took me to church. Not to the church of my choice, the church of their choice. And the church of their choice was the church that believed the Bible. And so I don't have any regrets about being reared in a Christian home. I didn't miss one thing, not one thing. But I've watched my more than 500 classmates. Many of them are dead now from high school. And some of them paid a heavy, heavy price simply because they wanted to go with the culture instead of with the God of the universe. And so as we look at this passage, sin is real, sin is brief, and sin is costly. Many of those people died because of their sin. Drugged up, alcoholed up, got in all kinds of problems. But you know what? You'll never find a believer that will ever tell you, I regret becoming a believer. Never. I've never met one that even thought about going back. Never. Well, the prodigal son would be the outline if you want to look at that story. Sin is, is real. 
It's brief and it's costly. Well, the seventh verse says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he, Jesus, is righteous. Now, there's a warning. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. That is a highlight of our goal is don't be deceived. Don't let people con you. Don't fall for every letter that comes to you from a foreign country where you are going to receive jillions of dollars. It ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen, senior adults. It is not going to happen. And we come and believe we're going to sin, live like the devil, rock and roll, move them and shake them, and God's just going to take us to heaven because we're just a good old boy that had a lot of friends. I'm sorry. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. Broad is the way that leads to eternal destruction, and most will go in that door. But the Scripture tells us that we can look deep inside the Scripture, and you know what can happen? We can become honest with ourselves. It's one thing to lie to other people. When you start lying to yourself, you're in trouble. I mean, when you have to go in the bathroom, look in the mirror, and tell a big, bold lie to the person that you're looking at, I want to remind you that's you. You know, and when you get so caught up on sin, you don't know who it is. Well, it's you. And when we get blinded by Satan, we fall into every single trap of the devil. But God says, I still love you. It's just truth versus lies. It is live godly or live ungodly. It is to be a giver or to be a taker. It is to serve or be served. I can assure you, having pastored more than 55 years now as a pastor, the most demanding people ever in the Christian church are those that serve nowhere and give nothing. They'll wear you out with their emails and letters and phone calls and telling you how it ought to be. Well, I just take a half a baby aspirin and go to sleep. It doesn't bother me at all anymore. But you know what? When you start giving, you just want to keep on giving. When you start loving people, you just want to keep on loving. Weren't those kids cute a while ago? My goodness, you think they'll ever forget that? I won't. I hope they don't. But God looks around and says, hey, why don't you let me do for you what I've created you to be? And you know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to make you into something that I've never made before. I started you with a fingerprint that nobody else has. Now, I'd like to make you into a teenager like no other teenager. I don't want to make you into a young adult like no other young adult. I want to make you into who you are, and you will be one of a kind, uniquely different, and following the crowd will never cross your mind. In fact, you'll be very cautious when you see the overwhelming majority going in that direction. It's very clear that anyone, scripturally, whose lifestyle centers around the description of Satan is one of his children. Satan's kids follow him. They begin to act like him, talk like him, 
be a taker, not a giver, and on and on we could go with that list. But that eighth verse says, he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whew. I'm glad I got somebody fighting that fight for me. I can look at some of you and tell you feel like I got it under control, Pastor. I'll come in and see you this week and give you my pointers. I need them. But till this point, this is the pointer. If God says it, that settles it. And uh, I know some of you say, if God says it, I believe it, that settles it. No, if God says it, that settles it. Your only problem is, are you going to get in on it or not? But here's the warning. Little children, verse 7, don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody deceive you. We're eat up with that. I deal with that every day. So if I run into it every day, no telling what some of you say, I'd get about every five minutes. You know, work where I work, buddy. And I guarantee you, you'd get it more than once a week. Well, God says, verse 8, 1 John 3, 8, He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. Don't ever forget that one. And verse 9 says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. When a believer sins, if that believer will learn to immediately, immediately take it to the Lord, confess it, repent of it, and be washed in the blood. Don't let it put a permanent stain on you. The blood of Jesus cleanses from every sin. And God wants you, 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 every single one of us. None of us are God's favorites. His favorite son's name was Jesus. And there's not going to be any more favorites. But in that son, Jesus, he made it possible for all of us to become his kids. But as I close, a child of God, listen, cannot live a life of disobedience. You cannot survive. You're either with him or you're against him. You're either for him or you're against him. It's up to you. It's up to me. And my message to you this, this morning is that you be honest with yourself. You're the one that's going to pay if you're wrong. And if Jesus is right, he'll pay the bill with his blood. He paid it all. And I want to encourage you to think very, very carefully about that. Believers must live in obedience to him. We must know God's word and obey God's word. We are to live in the victory, and we're to be overcomers. We're not any better than anybody that has no hope. We're no better than any of them. Our Entrance to heaven is the blood of Jesus, not our personal righteousness. Verse 10 says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Wow. How are you getting along with your brother? 
Yeah, but you don't know my brother. You don't know my sister. You're only child. You don't know what you're talking about. I didn't have any physical brothers or sisters, but I got a lot of Christian brothers and sisters. And I'm responsible to them. That's the reason we send people all over the world is because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if God is love, and if he lives in us, that scripture says we will love others. We will love others. No exceptions. No exceptions. So do you? Do you love your fellow Christians? Do you love non-believers? Do you love red, yellow, black, and white? Rich or poor? Young or old? Do you love them? There's no excuse. There's no name given among men, the Bible says, whereby we've got to be saved. We can't drift off. We cannot go out into these places where everyone goes and miss what God had planned for our life. There's no compromise. There's nothing that you can turn to. He says you're either for me or you're against me. And God's children love God. God's children that have God living in them love their brother and their sister. We care. We hurt. And we want to see it happen. One of the greatest illustrations that I ever saw happen and was when it was told to me, one of those kind you never forget, at those Special Olympics, as those kids came out here a while ago, I thought about this illustration I'll close with. In the 1990 Olympics, they were in Seattle, Washington, for the special needs children. These children all had physical and some mental problems. And what happened in that particular Olympics, when they would race and they would do their things, the race that made that Olympic go down in history was when a group of the little kids were running a short 30 or 40 yard run, many of them physically handicapped, some mentally handicapped. But they got all lined up, and it took them a while to get them lined up. Some of them were standing, some of them were down, you know, in the proper position, but the gun went off and they took off. And they went about halfway to the finish line. And one of the kids fell, just flat on the cinders. And all the other kids realized one of them had fallen off the line. And what history recorded, the kids that were still running stopped, turned around and went back and picked the little boy up. And a couple of them kissed him. And one of the little girls says, That'll make it okay. And they held hands and went across the finish line together. Now, in spiritual terms, that's so winning. Picking up those that have fallen, don't beat them up. I hope my preaching doesn't beat you up because I will never tell you the bad news until I tell you the good news. There is a God that will send his Savior to pick you up wherever you are today and make you whole. So you quit blaming the culture. You quit blaming the, the things that you live with. 
You look to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Now, you can either accept it or reject it, but don't you go away blaming the church, blaming the preacher, blaming that old friend that you work with that uses God's name in vain. You get off that stuff. He can't help you get saved, and he shouldn't keep you from getting saved. He needs to get saved. And God says, come on home. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water freely. It's in the last chapter of this Bible and the last, I think it starts with the 17th verse. Read those last five verses. The Bible says, if you've ever seen or heard, you're invited to come. And then it says, if you haven't seen or heard, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely.